the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. This is AM 1100 KFAX, San Francisco, Oakland. There we go. We're legal for another hour. Or at least, that's what the FCC tells us anyway. You can reach us at kfax.com if you find yourself leaving your radio. You can uh, listen to hour number two of Lifeline tonight with Pastor Phil Howard, again, at kfax.com. If you have a question for Pastor Phil tonight, or what are your... uh, what are your hopes for returning to worship? What is it you're missing? What is it that, uh, that you're looking forward to when we return to worship and fellowship with one another? I'd love to hear it. 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's the phone number. TFT questions at valleybible.org. It is a Pastor Phil Howard evening tonight. You can listen to Pastor Phil Monday through Friday right, right here on KFAX. Monday through Friday, 5.30 to 6 in the mornings. And Sundays, 8.30 to 9.00. And you can also get his thoughts and, uh, and, and comments right now as we continue our number two of Lifeline tonight with Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor, we, uh, we kind of left off there talking about um, the, the Koinonia Fellowship. And, and again, you know, it's not the fellowship of grab a coffee, grab a donut, go, hi, how are you? How was your week? Great, good, move on and into the sanctuary. This is something that's far greater uh, biblically speaking, Koinonia Fellowship has a whole different dynamic than I think what most are used to or or or, or just uh, willing to to accept in church today, isn't it? Oh, easy. I mean, if uh, I think even you throwing around Koinonia uh, part, it, it really means partnership, participation, and it would be wonderful. Uh, to meet in church and that the only thing up for discussion is what makes us share in common. What do, and uh, I, I'm afraid many a churchman puts in time, goes home, uh, I did my thing, uh, I showed up, and it, it, it's just a habit. Uh, it's a good habit, but, uh, you know, Jesus said you can draw an eye to God with your mouth and your heart be disengaged. True worship involves my spirit and the truth. And I understand in John 3 or John 4, when he says, worship me in spirit, it's your human spirit there. It's a small s. And he said, I want, I want your inner being, your spirit, the inner it could almost set your whole heart. I want that to be involved, and I want you to be meeting around the truths you share together. And it's not looking at your watch. It's not looking at your email on a phone. I mean, it is a battle just to get the spirit involved. And then when we walk out of the base, what truth are you celebrating? What truth did you hear? And 
That's why church is in an entertainment center, and it's not all music. There's a lot of, we got to hear the truth, and what we sing needs to be the truth, and what we preach had better be the truth. God isn't worship in a bunch of gibberish and a bunch of uh, vain repetition words. He's worshipped in truth. Say back to him what he says about himself. Let me ask you a question, Pastor Phil. I'm not going to really turn a page, but kind of. We're going to just skip a paragraph here, I guess. As I as I as I kind of scan the horizon over the last couple of months and I sit back and I kind of look at all this and I know God is sovereign. I know nothing is out of his grasp, out of his will. Do you do you ever stop to think in the these last couple of months that God is doing something with the church to try and wake them up from a slumber or is there something else besides this pandemic that's going on that God is actually trying to get our attention as his children? Have we have we gotten so complacent in our churchiosity that we've lost sight of who we are as believers in Christ and why we actually do go to church? Well, for sure, God's got a purpose and a plan in it. Nothing's random. Uh, and I think uh, for so many believers... Uh, it is wonderful to hear them. I miss being together. I, you know, you don't realize how powerful it is until you lose it. And uh, your, your eyes are kind of nice, but when you think you're losing them, they double their worth. And I think it doubles our worth. And to see that the world has no, uh, uh, no solution when you hear about domestic violence and home tension, you see that uh, uh, people, one of their greatest battles in life is liking and getting along with the people they're around, even if you close them in the house for a month. But we crave to be with fellow believers. And TV, and like you say, Zoom, uh, it's great. It's innovative if you can't meet any other way. But uh, I tell you, I'd lot rather hug my wife than see a picture of her. Yeah, amen to that, huh? <laughs> You're absolutely right. And and there is, you know, I, I know there's folks out there going, yeah, but, you know, this, this virus thing, this virus thing. And I'm thinking, you know what? I, I I don't care about the virus. I care about my soul more than I care about my body. And yeah. my soul is longing for the, the for God's house. My soul is longing for his people. I, I am I am eager to get back to worship the way I know it should be. Yes, yes and uh, uh, dude, and, and you know God uh, there's not going to be anybody that dies that God hasn't ordained to die. <laughs> yes. uh, our, our times are in his hands. I, I say, don't be foolish. Wash hands. Wear a mask. Do, be, as wise, be as wise as serpents. But, but at the same time, uh, you know your, your life is in God's hands. You, can, you know, if people just start in what if... We'll be paralyzed forever trying to figure out the what-ifs. Yeah. Anything could happen any day. 
but you got to keep living. Andy? Steve, it was, I'm here. I, it just, did, did I glitch out again? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's that technology, see? You know, it's not Zoom. It's <laughs> Yeah. What what I was going to say, though, is um, uh, you're a Jonathan Edwards fan, and I believe it was Jonathan Edwards who said this. We are immortal until God decides otherwise. It's true. It's true. They say it's why uh, Stonewall Jackson was just a courageous fighter because he was so strong on sovereignty that he would use that very same statement that uh, nobody can kill me but when it's in God's will and he would get shot by friendly fire from one of his own troops. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing life God has called us to and it is a it's a community life. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've said it from the pulpit several times. Uh, this life we have as a Christian, it's not a Lone Ranger life. It's a community life, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, it's hard to do the one another's unless there's another there. <laughs> exactly. Oh. i got to have another there to encourage. And, and how do I get encouraged? I mean, I, I, I pray, I read the Bible, but it's so sweet when it comes to an obedient child of God that I just want to encourage you. And uh, we need it. God, God didn't invent something that he didn't think we needed. Yes. And it, it is, it, it, we often miss that. You mentioned that just a moment ago. It's one thing to think that, yeah, I'm going to be a blessing to others, but we need that blessing in return as well. That that fellowship goes both ways, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, well, just try having church by yourself. It doesn't work. It really doesn't. And, you know, and, 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 and to be sure, there, uh, in a pinch, you don't need to be ordained to baptize. You don't need to be ordained to administer the Lord's table. But there is that community sense that we miss out on when we do take matters into our own hands. And I am the priest of my family. I have every right and responsibility to do that. But to be able to do so in the community of Christ is just a totally different dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. Andy, you're probably going to have to make some kind of a video or something you're so revved up about this uh, you obviously are starving to meet, meet with god's saints oh I, I don't know about you brother i i the, these last couple i've been starving uh and, and and i think you know i i look for other christians when i'm in costco or when i'm in walmart or when i have to go do those things that you have to do in public, I, man, my eye is an eagle. I am looking for somebody to just, oh, a fellow brother in Christ. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and they kind of look at me and run. <laughs> we, uh, we were made for community, were we not? Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, Americans happen to be a lone ranger kind of people, and it's why... We're dying from loneliness and uh, distance. So many, with all the technology, with all of that, uh, you know, I was walking with a granddaughter today, uh, home from college and everything, and 
she's beginning to realize she's young and that grandfather is getting older and she's kind of going through, um, oh, I think mature evaluation. Uh, I don't have them for long. I don't have my parents. I think mean, you start thinking of your mortality yeah. and, uh, would it not be to not be with them? Not to. I told her. I said, "By God's grace, I hope He lets me be surrounded by my family and not doctors when the Lord decides to take me." Because relational comfort. I want comfort. I want trust. I want people that I've shared my life with. And being a pastor for 48 years of the same congregation. Believe me, uh, there is a camaraderie and a one soulness you can't get any other way. You know, and that, I guess if you were to look for a silver lining in all of this, uh, this pandemic and being sequestered, uh, you mentioned that with your granddaughter. Uh, there is a, a heightened awareness of our mortality, isn't there? There, Man, James comes to mind. Consider your death often, you know? Uh, what is your life but a vapor? I, if, if there is a silver lining, I would guess that would have to be one of them, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, I, I just saw today that I think a million people uh, have the virus, and, uh, of course, the United States, we've seen 90,000 people uh, eliminated by it. And so uh, any thinking man said, hey, uh, if I got it, would I survive it? If I didn't survive it, where would everything I'm pouring my life into go? Who, who will get these riches? Who will get my wife and take care of her? Who, you know... It raises a whole, uh, you remember Ecclesiastes said we learn more at a funeral than we do at a party. Yeah, we do. Because we We... consider our lives that we are not meant to live on this earth forever. No, in fact, we were created to live with somebody far more precious than anything we could hope for here on this planet anyway. We're, uh, We're coming up on a break, Pastor Phil, so I think what we'll do is turn a corner here. Uh, on the other side of the break. So let me give you some food for thought as we as we stop and uh, pay some more bills here. Uh, this one is always, it's, it's kind of fun to consider, but I, I can't tell you how many times I've ran across people who actually think this is Bible. Uh, we're going to take a look at some famous Christian myths and quote-unquote godly sayings, Statements that have no biblical basis, but they sound really good. You know, like God helps those who help themselves. It's not my place to judge. Uh, Cleanliness is next to godliness. God never gives you more than you can handle. We're going to spend some time just kind of uh, turning a page, if you will, uh, and uh, take a look at some of those. So uh, get get, get your thinking hat back on again, Pastor. And uh, when we come back from our break, we'll spend some time on some... uh, some interesting myths and godly sayings here on Lifeline tonight with Pastor Phil Howard. Let's take another time out. Um, I believe Michael Bennett is over there. Yeah, he's the guy with his thumb and his ears waving at you. Yeah, he's got to look at your traffic now from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline. 
Yeah, Andy Froyland, along with the vicar. The vicar is in the house. Pastor Phil Howard tonight here on Lifeline. We are live, so do maintain that six-foot distance between you and your radio. Just kidding. You don't have to. Please don't. That would be silly. We're uh, we're spending some time with Pastor Phil tonight. Uh, last Friday of the month, we always get a chance to spend a couple of hours with you here on Lifeline on KFAX. Uh, just kind of talking about Jesus, just that spiritual sorbet, cleansing that palate of the week-long soiree of politics that we've had to put up with, right? Uh, I want to I want to change speeds here, Pastor Phil. But before we do, just to, just to put a capper on what we've spent the last hour and no oh, fifteen twenty minutes or so to t- uh, talking about. I would imagine between now and the time we get together again next month here on Lifeline, we are going to be fellowshipping again with believers in Christ face-to-face. Just a quick encouragement. What would you say to our listeners tonight who are planning on returning to church? What are are some encouraging thoughts that you can pass off to, uh, to those listening tonight looking forward to returning to worship again? Well, I think we're returning to uh, what Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. We meet together for mutual edification, to mutually worship the living God. And uh, I think, use caution, if we're still told to wear masks, wear it. Uh, and don't act like martyrs. I, I do think it gets overdone sometimes. Hey, we're not martyrs here. Uh, nobody's been thrown to the lions. A whole country has been shut down. So this is not we've been singled out. Uh, I think that gets so over. It's another panic statement. And uh, I think we do what we did before this happened. We keep worshiping, visiting praying together, uh, having church. We're going to meet around the living God. And, hey, if you have to sit six feet apart or all that, that's all right. Uh, I know I have a daughter at a church back east, and their first service, it was six feet apart, and, and it left much of the auditorium not occupied. But... They've opened up, they've been going, I think, a week or two weeks, and they're able to meet. They just spread it out more services, you know. But uh, let us rejoice that we can meet and do what we did before. Don't, don't sleep during the service, uh, be awake, and I, please come to church with a verse, one verse, mm. which be equipped to edify anybody. I think something that gets about much of church life today is not like the New Testament where people came with a song, with a testimony, with a word, because everything's done on the platform. And a lot of body life doesn't take place on Sunday. But redeem every opportunity you can to encourage, be encouraged, and to enjoy worshiping God with His people. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to it. I, and and next time we get together, we're, we're going to have to share reports on our first time back. All right? Uh, Absolutely. 
<laughs> I'm looking forward to that. And Lord willing, next month, you and I will be together in studio, which will be even cooler still. I'm, I'm anxious for that as well. More than right. you know, brother. All right. So, turning a page. This is kind of fun, kind of, you know, it, it can be fun on the surface. But as I look through some of these, it really does get to the heart of what our theology is all about and how we view Christ and how we view what God has done for us. Uh, they're called Christian myths or uh, godly sayings, wonderful statements, but they don't have any biblical basis. And I've got a list of them here, but I, I thought I'd start off with, uh, with this one here. Um, God will never give you more than you can handle. True or false, and why? Well, uh, it's interesting that Paul said in Second Corinthians, um, in Second Corinthians one, that he had so much pressure on him that he knew, he spared of his life. He he said, "Now here, here's the problem. Let me, let me just read you that verse because it kind of shocked me when I you got two verses." That because this, I do not want you to be in, to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province in Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Now, how do we harmonize this with First Corinthians ten thirteen? that no temptation has overcome you, but which is common to man, but with every temptation, God will make a way that you can escape so that you may bear it. And as I looked at this, I, I think God has designed some troubles to bring us to the end of ourselves. Uh, listen to this. Indeed, we felt we received the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Two kinds of pressures. One is the pressure to sin. And God said, I will never make a temptation to sin stronger than my plan for you to escape. That's his promise. That's what he said. He's talking about sin. Over here, he's talking about ministry. I was under such pressure trying to plant churches and do things. And I have supposed, Jesus said in John 12, that the seed has to die before it bears any fruit. And I've often speculated that for being, being a young preacher when I started, most of us young preachers, have to have a great failure to find out real quick you're not strong enough. And if you're relying on your education, you're relying on your speaking ability, God's going to allow enough pressure to bring you to the end of yourself because it's God that people need, not you. And he has to show us how little our strength is. And guess what he does? He said... I was delivered by the intercessory prayers of God's people. Hmm. So 
there's been many a pastor, many that said, I'm going to throw in the towel. I can't take it anymore. And painful many times there's been resignations with a beat-up, discouraged servant that didn't go into sin. They just admitted, I've been ground to powder. And unless God steps in, I can't go on any further. Oh, if you haven't experienced it, you haven't tried to minister to God's people very much. Hmm. You know, it, 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 the very sentence itself tells me that if if God never does give me more than I can handle, then that means I have no need of His Holy Spirit dwelling in me, right? Oh, no, no. You, you're self-made. You know, you, I'm a self-made man. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to see a self-made man. They're worthless. Yes. It doesn't, that you, isn't you, spiritual ministry. They may be self-made in business. You might be an Andrew uh, Carnegie. That's fine enough. Vanderbilt, Rockefeller. Yeah, they did it. They say, I don't like Rockefeller. Rockefeller was a believer. At least he claimed it. But uh, this is a different context. So uh, it's not immunity. You ask believers, have you ever had a, a, a death in your family? And, and how did you do it? Were you rejoicing? Were you giving thanks in the middle of it? Uh, I learned as being a pastor you don't go and quote Romans eight twenty eight to a grieving widow. No. Not when you're sitting in the the you know dining room or something, and you're waiting for the mortuary to come pick them up. It's a little ill timed. It would take you later to be able to say he even worked that for our good. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, we've gone through trials together, and we we said some difficult years, will we ever be able to say this works for good? <laughs> it's hard to at times, isn't it? We, we can't see past Absolutely. the trial. But those trials are meant to, to grow us in his grace and, and develop a, a, a dependence upon him that uh, we don't often have, especially when we start our journey in Christ, don't we? Oh, brought to the end of our own strength, and that's what he's saying. I've been in such straits that if God didn't spare me, deliver me, I had none left. Mm. And God weaves it into the plan that says, okay, are you now convinced without me you can do nothing? I'm absolutely convinced. All right, well, here's another one for you. Let's move on. The next one on my list here. Uh... It's not my place to judge. Or, uh, from the other side of the aisle, don't judge me. You can't judge me. Judge not lest you be judged. How do you handle that one? Well, that's one of the most favorite verses to uh, uh, neglect responsibility. Uh, Because in the right, he says this. It's quite interesting. Matthew 7, the most misunderstood passage, maybe, uh, in the Bible, that uh, we had a man one time living in adultery and uh, justifying it, and uh, uh, I and the deacons at the time had to deal with this man, and when he was confronted with his sin, he said, well, I'm going to marry her, so it doesn't matter what we do in the meantime. And 
uh, I never forget, I thought a brilliant response. One of the deacons said to this man, we don't use your dictionary to determine what's right or wrong. Yes. God says you're in adultery. And First Corinthians 5, the church wasn't doing anything about a man sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul said, I shame you because you wouldn't judge this sin like God, and you should put him outside the church unless he repents. And uh, no, that's why people don't have church discipline. They, it is. It's challenging, isn't it? You can call anything what God calls it. But when we could have said to a man, I judge you as an adulterer. Uh, now, if you just came up with that or you had your list and you prescribed the penalty, give yourself the place of God. Use God's dictionary, which is his word. And Amen. So, uh, it, it's really God has judged you, and he told me what to do with people like you. And, and so God's made the judgment. I'm only obeying. There you go. Let, put a bookmark there. He said in Matthew 7, I think it's about verse 3, this is an amazing thing. And you explain this to the audience. He goes on down and he says, By the way, do not cast your pearls before swine. Yeah. Wow. You, you have to make a judgment call. Am I talking to a man as foolish and as uh, dumb or as non-perceptive as a hog. And so I shouldn't even be trying to share gems with him because he cannot appreciate anything I'm saying. Put a bookmark, Pastor Phil. Put a bookmark there. We've we've got to take a time out, but you're, 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 you're tracking on something that I want to pick up on the other side of the break. So... Hold off for just one quick second. Let's pay some bills, check traffic, and we'll come back and continue our conversation with Pastor Phil Howard. Uh, This whole idea of judgment, man, where do we stand with that, and what does God really say about all of this? That's up in just a moment here on KFAX. Right now, off to the KFAX Traffic Center, another look at your commute. And now, back to Lifeline. We are back, and Pastor Phil Howard is in the house tonight. We are uh, just uh, kind of cleansing our palates, if you will, and uh, just resetting our hearts and our minds towards Christ, just talking about all things pertaining to our walk with Christ. And we're just going right now, we're going through a couple of uh, couple of those Christian myths or quote-unquote godly sayings that may sound nice, but don't have any real biblical basis. The one we were looking at before the break, it's not my place to judge, or the scripture verse, uh, judge not lest you be judged. Pastor Phil, would it be safe to say that it might be a bit more understandable if we use the word assessment instead of judgment? That judgment carries with it this idea, and if, if memory serves, when we judge, we're passing sentence. We're we're banging the gavel, and and you know, uh, at some point, uh, at, at the end of all things, God has the final say on that kind of judgment. But we can assess people, can't we? We can, and I uh, think of First uh, Corinthians when they he's telling the church, uh, I don't want you to associate 
with a brother that's in immorality, greedy, idolater, slanderer, drunkard, swindler. Don't even eat with people like this. But this is in the church. They're in the church and they're living. So what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? If I go to lunch with a man that uh, oh, is in any kind of sin, uh, hey, it's not my business to call them on their sin. What they need is Christ. But in the church, are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Then he says, if any of you has a dispute with another, do not dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people. Do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you can judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Can they assess? Can they know if a guy's a liar? Sure they can. Can they know if he's living an immoral life? Yes. They don't send them to hell, but they can put them out of a fellowship until they want to repent and prove they're truly believers. And and today, there's so much tolerance of sin. Many of our churches have nearly died because the Spirit of God is being grieved away by endorsed sin. You could sin all you want and still be treated like a brother in fellowship. Not First Corinthians 5 and 6. Which takes us back then to uh, the necessity for church discipline, which, as you wisely mentioned, just doesn't take place that often anymore, does it? No, it doesn't. We, we gossip a lot. We talk about each other a lot, but we don't do Matthew 18 uh, in conflict. I, I've seen that we've practiced church discipline for years, and everything from uh, one thing after another. Uh, but you know what? We've seen when a person comes forward, confesses to the sin, even before a congregation, many churches just do it before the elders, Whatever, uh, there's nothing to gossip about. They've gone public, they've asked for forgiveness, and we've had nights the whole church would surround uh, a sinning saint coming home, got out of the bar, quit doing this, quit living with this guy. And you know what? We would kill the fattened calf, and we would rejoice and bury him in hugs. Welcome back. That and and those are amazing moments in church life, aren't they? That that uh, oh my, yes. We we don't get that again because we don't practice discipline. We don't get it that often, and really, what we're doing is accommodating sin. At that point, the church is actually saying, "Ah, oh, we're just going to turn a blind eye to it, sweep it under the rug, and continue on." And it really has an impact not just on the person in sin, but then the whole congregation at large, too, doesn't it? I mean, this isn't yes. just... And the community, I, sometimes uh, Christians act too, um, too naive, too, uh, too spiritual. I, I knew of a church where a man was misbehaving and doing this and that, 
and the pastor was timid to do anything. He said, what do you think we should do? I said, well, maybe you need to call uh, the Hell's Angel. They know how to call it. They know what the guy's doing. Where did you get so holy? You can't call sin what God calls it. Yeah, and that and that's a that's a real challenge. We we've become a. I've seen a lot of this in churches across the country. We've we've so emphasized love that we have lost sight of everything else that God is involved with and all of His other attributes. And we've we've minimized Golgotha. We we've pretty much stripped away the need for the cross because oh well, it's just love, and all you need is love. And, and well, well, here's the, another myth saying, yeah, God loves the sinner; He hates the sin. Well, that's number three on my list here. Actually, hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's it's interesting when you read the beginning Psalms. But read Psalms uh, 1 through 20. You'll be amazed at how many times God says he hates what the sinner is. I hate the wicked. I hate a liar, Proverbs 6. I hate a proud man. He, and he didn't say, I hate the sin. He says, I hate you for doing that. Yes. I mean, whoa, whoa. And, and I heard uh, R.C. Sproul say one time, he said, it's not the sin that he sends to hell. It's the sinner. Yes, exactly. So, so that's another myth. Trying to, oh, he loves it. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He went to the cross for sinners. But, the, the, I, and if you, he said in John three thirty six, if you continue in unbelief towards this God, His wrath is about to settle down on you. You're abiding beneath the unrealized wrath of God until you step over the line into Christ. Believe on him, and God suspends all judgment. But otherwise, it's dangerous. It's as Jonathan Edwards saying, you're walking over a thin thatch roof, and you're hanging on a spider's web over the mouth of hell. You're gambling with your soul. Mr. Jonathan Edwards, you know it. I, I tell you, Phil, we talk about this stuff, and I, I can, I can almost hear one of our listeners out there yelling at their, at their radio, going, yeah, "But that's just so harsh. You're just so mean. How can you be so mean? I don't want to serve a God that's mean like that and harsh, judging and sin and hatred and all that. that what kind of God is that worth serving? A, a holy God that says, "I've." I put all the judgment in the hands of my son, the one that got an unfair trial that was spit on, five wounds put in his precious body. And he said, remember me, I'm the one that came and died in your place. And I'm the one you reject, and you've gone to sin instead of me. I'm only giving you what you chose. You chose mm-hmm. not to know me. And I'm calling, when I open up uh, the books in Revelation 20, I'm going to read off every sin. I am the judge. But he's done something for his people. He's given us his dictionary. We don't have to guess. 
You don't have to make sinners, you know. I Well, I categorize you this. You know, if you practice lying, you're a liar. Yeah. And First John said, whoever's born of God cannot continue to practice sin. First John 3.69. It's a present tense in Greek. Whoever, this is still your practice. And he'd already told them, I'm not saying that believers don't sin, but I break the habit of sin. You're no longer enslaved to sin as a believer. You're, you, the power of sin has been dealt with at the cross, along with the presence and and or the the penalty, and one day soon the presence. We've got to take another time out, Pastor Phil. When we come back, we'll wrap everything up here in a nice, neat bow for this Friday evening. Let's take a quick time out. Final look at your commute off to the KFAX Traffic Center with a look at that drive of yours. And now back to Lifeline. Andy Freudland, along with Pastor Phil Howard. Tonight, it is a Truth For Today talk show, at least the last Friday of the month here on Lifeline. Um, you can listen to Truth For Today, by the way, Monday through Friday, 5.30 to 6 in the morning, Sunday e- Sunday mornings, actually, 8.30 to 9. And uh, I would encourage you to join us. What a great way to start the day with Pastor Phil. Pastor, we've got about seven minutes. At least that's what the radio police are telling me. As we close out our time together tonight, I want to kind of wrap up what we were talking about just before the break. And uh, this whole idea of, uh, you know, God being, you know, we're just being too harsh. And, and you know, God is love and that's all we need. And, and uh, you know, your ideas of judgment and sin and hatred and all that, it's just too hard of a, of a thing to consider. And I'm not that bad. And, and I'm listening to you talk and I can't help but think of, God is the doctor telling us I've got cancer, but but I love you, and I can fix it if you'll listen to me and if you'll believe that you've got that cancer. So just kind of elaborate on that a bit and close out our evening tonight, telling us about this deep love of God and why this love is so amazing in light of who we really are. Well, God knows what we were meant to be. God knows how he meant for paradise to be ours forever, and he's willing to forgive us the sin that God has expelled from the garden, but he does not lie to the patient, as it were, uh, about the disease. There's no, uh, well, hey, we can't tell your dad he has terminal cancer, so let's just tell him a lie about his condition, because we want to be nice to him. then by the time the doctor says it's going to take radical surgery, the dad's in shock. My kids told me I've only got bad flu or bad. Somebody lied somewhere. And God says, I have a physician, the only one that can heal you of your sin problem. I alone have done the only thing that can resolve sin. Why such a payment? Because God says, your sin has offended me, has violated what I forbid you to do, and now sin's got to be dealt with. And one thing he's going to say is, okay, I hate pride. Well, most all of us cherish pride. We cherish a high opinion of ourselves. We cherish it. God could say, 
I lost Satan when he was a holy being, when he was called Son of the Morning. Lucifer, Isaiah 14, he said, I know when he rebelled against me, he wanted to go higher than me. I know when Adam and Eve sinned. They didn't sin by saying, let's go to a pool hall and gamble or go to a brothel. No, they sinned by saying, we're good enough to be our own gods. And guess what? We become like Herod in the book of Acts. When they begin to call him a god, he accepted all their praise. And that day, worms attacked him. And Flavius Josephus, in his history of the Jewish people, said the worms ate him so that his bowels came out of his body. Because he accepted the adoration and adulation of being a god. And God says, you can't treat me lightly and ever escape. If you'll run to Jesus, I'll save you. But if you play me for a fool, if you play me for tolerant, no, no, the cross, I showed I wasn't tolerant towards your sins. I paid full price in my son. So we can't. I believe it was Tim Keller that once said, a God that you invent will never be able to save you. Because you make a God that gives you everything you want and never tells you no. But that kind of God cannot save you. Only the God who is as holy, he's no more loved than he is holy. So he, he hates what is evil. He loves what is good. And he said, if you're a wise and a godly man, you will learn to hate evil, Proverbs 9, and love good. And look at what's going on today. Pedophiles, a pornography, child pornography, and it seems like mouths are closed all over the place. Who is yelling, this is hateful, this is terrible? No. Uh, we have come so far, everything is situational. If I feel like doing it, it's not sin. And God said, I don't play by your rules. Hmm. I play by mine, and I'm you, God, and I'm holy. And the thing is, I, I, I was just going to say, Pastor Phil, that you know we're, we're almost done for the evening, but... Uh, you know, people want to believe in a God who is, is love, and I don't think they really understand the deep, deep, deep love of God. And the reason they don't is because they don't understand the sin they have and the deep, deep need they have for this loving God. It, uh, Boy, I tell you, oh, you know what, we're going to have to pick this up next time we do, we do this, brother. We're, we're out of time. <laughs> it it flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Yes. Well, we enjoyed being able to talk to this radio audience and pray that God's Word will speak to your heart and give you certainty when foundations seem to be crumbling. Amen and amen. Well, that is all that we've got for tonight. We'll have to pick this up next month at this same time when we get to do this again. And as I mentioned throughout the show tonight, if you would like to hear Pastor Phil a bit more, you're always welcome to join us Monday through Friday, 5.30 in the morning, right here on KFAX for Truth For Today, and Sunday mornings, 8.30 to 9.00. 
That's Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Thanks to uh, Craig Roberts for moving over and making some time for us tonight. And Pastor Phil, we appreciate that. Joel on the other side of the glass over there with his thumb up his nose. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who runs the board and makes everything happen. Thank you, Joel. You're, you're, You're a marvelous engineer. We appreciate you. And friend, your ears round out the trifecta. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And until next time, may God richly bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.